Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Weekend Long Read The Valiant, Tragic Tale of an American Missionary in Nanjing Written by Yasha Long, published in Taishin Global, read to you by Cliff Larson. The curious case of Buddhist Wu Aping, who paid to have memorial tablets for five Japanese war criminals enshrined in a Nanjing temple, hit Chinese social media last month, raising more questions than it answered. A notice issued by the Nanjing government, said that Wu suffered psychological trauma learning what the five men had done during the war. Her Buddhism led her to attempt to resolve grievances and remove suffering by commemorating the invaders. She also learned that American missionary Minnie Vautrin played a role protecting women during the Nanjing Massacre. To rid herself of the nightmares that had haunted her since she became obsessed with the traumatic period in her city's history, she paid 3,000 yuan, $444, to the temple for tablets in honor of the five Japanese soldiers and one American missionary. In the ensuing online storm, the story of Wilhelmina Mini Vautrin was hardly touched upon. Who was she? In fact, her story tugs at my heartstrings. If I had to portray Vautrin in a word, I'd call her righteous. I feel as if I know her, as her incredible deeds are recounted in several books about the period such as American Goddess at the Rape of Nanking, The Courage of Minnie Vautrin, bestseller The Rape of Nanking by Iris Chong, and Nanjing 1937, Battle for a Doomed City. But perhaps it's time she was better known by others. College Dean in Nanjing Vautrin was an ordinary American girl born in a poor family who lost her mother at an early age. But she was academically gifted, which enabled her to graduate from the University of Illinois. Attractive but indifferent to the notion of marriage, in 1912, Vautrin joined the Foreign Christian Missionary Society and came to China as a teacher. As a teacher, she worked at a girls' school in Hefei, East China's Anhui province, for six years, during which she learned Chinese and named herself Huachun, which means Chinese community. 
1919, she reached Nanjing and was asked to serve as the Dean of Studies at Jingling Women's College, even stepping up to become acting president for several years. Vautrin was once engaged to a man living in another city, but postponed her wedding because of her mission to the college. She later broke off the engagement and never sought another one. Vautrin was not a gentlewoman. If she had been, she would hardly have survived the war as well as she did. She was aggressive and blunt. Her colleagues often complained about her tough attitude, but none doubted her selflessness. She devoted herself to the college. Even on vacation in the United States, she was busy raising funds for the school. She was paid $75 a month, a fat salary in China, but a moderate one in the United States. Vautrin believed that what she did in China was not just a job, but a belief and a spiritual ballast in life. When she wasn't educating students or raising funds, she was tending her roses and chrysanthemums on campus in Nanjing. Every six years, she took a holiday in the United States. She would undoubtedly have lived a peaceful life to the end had the Japanese not invaded China in 1931. Japanese Invasion Vautrin was 51 when Japan launched a full-scale war of aggression against China. Japanese troops captured Shanghai and started bombing Nanjing, where Vautrin and her students lived. On the eve of the Japanese invasion of Nanjing, the U.S. Embassy attempted its last evacuation and ordered all Americans to board gunboats by the river. But Vautrin refused. She was given a large star-spangled banner and lots of ropes to help her escape from the city by rope ladder. That was, of course, ridiculous. Aggravated by the news of the Japanese massacre, the atmosphere in Nanjing was getting darker by the day. Vautrin was quivering with fear and asked Dr. Wu Yifang, the college's president, to run for her life. Teachers left. An American teacher who had planned to stay with Vautrin was scared away by bodies strewn around outside the city walls. In the end, only three teachers stayed on campus. Vautrin and locals Zeng and Chen. But there were more foreign nationals in the city beyond. A few dozen developed the International Committee for the Nanjing Safety Zone. The Nanjing Safety Zone, an area of almost four square kilometers, one and a half square miles, marked its borders with Red Cross flags. The Japanese army agreed to grant the zone neutrality. German businessman John Rabe was elected as the committee's leader because of the alliance between Germany and Japan, which gave the members hope his words would carry weight. Indeed, Rabe often ran around shouting Heil Hitler in an effort to stop the Japanese from killing people. If Vautrin had shouted, Long live Roosevelt, it would never have worked. Vautrin was also on the committee, charged with providing women shelter in Jinling Women's College. As the college campus was to become a refugee camp, Vautrin and her remaining faculty colleagues hoarded food, prepared rooms, 
burned sensitive files, posted notices, and hid money. She raised the Star-Spangled Banner on high, hoping to scare the invaders away. Vautrin guessed the college would take in around 2,750 refugees, but what happened next was beyond all expectations. The Shelter for Life On December 13, 1937, Nanjing was overrun by Japanese troops, who immediately began to kill and rape. Locals were prepared for the worst, but the actual situation was even worse than anyone would imagine. Refugees rushed to the safety zone while troops committed atrocity after atrocity. Even at the gates of the safety zone, with committee members present, refugees were slaughtered in large numbers. Refugees fleeing to Vautrin's campus, mainly women, soon surpassed 4,000, which was well over capacity. Vautrin had to persuade middle-aged and older women to save places for younger women who were at greater risk of rape. But the Japanese were more savage than anyone could imagine. No woman was safe. Local women begged and kowtowed to Vautrin, begging to be let in. Vautrin soon broke down and opened the gates, allowing nearly 10,000 refugees in total. All these people needed food, and even waste disposal was a problem. But Vautrin's hard work and management ability helped her sustain the camp. No one starved, no infectious diseases broke out, and the sick all received basic care. But what made Vautrin quiver most was the Japanese soldiers. Guardian of the Campus The movie Schindler's List depicted a famous scene. The Jewish accountant said to Schindler, pointing to a list, This list is life. All around its margin lies the gulf. The Nanking safety zone was the list. It was crowded with over 200,000 people, while thousands more lived outside the zone and were still alive. Looking out of the safety zone, all you could see were Japanese soldiers and the bodies they were stepping over. Even the safety zone could not guarantee absolute safety, though the Japanese soldiers dared not kill refugees recklessly in the zone, they often entered to rob or rape, dragging people out for any reason, only to finish them off. Vautrin's college was a refugee camp for women, so it became a target for the Japanese soldiers who raped women inside the camp and forced them to leave and go to the barracks or comfort women stations. Every day, Vautrin patrolled the grounds and repelled the dreaded incursions. She had to go to the Japanese embassy repeatedly to get proclamations to prohibit Japanese soldiers from committing crimes. Many Japanese soldiers paid no attention to her. Some pushed off her embassy-signed documents and stabbed their knives in her direction. She was also hit herself. Writing in her diary, he slapped me. Being slapped in the face was a burning shame for this respected teacher, but she was already numb to disgrace. Vautrin would rush up to any Japanese soldier on campus. Once a Japanese soldier cut the clothes of a Chinese girl with his knife and attempted to rape her. Vautrin grabbed the knife, 
without a second thought, scaring those around her. Having started out trying to protect women from rape and property from robbery, Vautrin soon found it impossible to do both, so she focused only on people. At one point, Vautrin asked the Japanese to send 25 military policemen to maintain order, but the order-maintaining police raped girls at night. Desperate as she was, she retained two policemen and had to keep an eye on them, like an old hen that flaps her wings to protect her children, as local people said. Vautrin wrote in her diary, In my wrath, I wished I had the power to smite them for their dastardly work. She still had an illusion. She exclaimed, If only the Japanese, with a conscience, knew what is going on here. How ashamed women of Japan would be if they knew these tales of horror. Fear and Shame Vautrin had also been scared. In a day depicted in the Chinese film The Flowers of War, but adapted to make a male priest the protagonist, Japanese soldiers visited the campus claiming that Vautrin was hiding Chinese soldiers. Denying this, she was slapped and taken to the gate with another three college workers. She was asked to identify people were not Chinese soldiers among those kneeling in front of her. Vautrin said she could not do so, fearing those she did not identify would be executed. The Japanese soldiers asked Vautrin to leave the college for wherever foreigners were meant to be. Vautrin turned them down, saying that the college was her home. With Chinese people in front and armed Japanese soldiers in the distance, Vautrin heard crying from the women behind her on campus. While she was at the entrance, the Japanese were raping people inside. Vautrin also agreed to turn 100 refugees over for prostitution. The Japanese army pledged that their soldiers would no longer break into the college, if she did so. Vautrin's decision was marked in her diary with simply, We agreed. It was one of the shortest diary entries. Twenty-one of the women were taken away. Vautrin was asked by the refugees, Will they take the other seventy-nine away? To which Vautrin replied, If I can stop them, they will not. Hope in Despair Vautrin never lost confidence in China, even when the situation seemed hopeless. Chinese people should not worry too much. Japan will definitely be defeated, she told one woman. Vautrin would constantly tell her refugees, China is not going to perish, and will never perish. Japan will fail. She told off a boy who was wearing a Japanese armband for protection, You shouldn't wear this. You are Chinese. China does not collapse. But remember the time you wore it, and never forget it. Vautrin was called a living Buddha, or a savior by some locals. Some of the invading forces also agreed. One Japanese soldier approached Vautrin privately, asking her to receive his Chinese girlfriend and her sister. Vautrin allowed them in. As the massacre ebbed, refugee camps were gradually closed, but Vautrin still sheltered 800 girls, raising money to support them. She helped trace missing husbands and children in prisons 
and organized petitions to release them. Collapse. The work exhausted Vautrin. She had been on active duty since 1937 and was about to collapse physically. She wrote in her diary, I'm about at the end of my energy. I'm extremely grumpy. I'll die. And for a year, she had ignored calls to return to the United States as she felt she couldn't leave Nanjing at a time of such peril. Unlike other foreign nationals, Vautrin was haunted by the massacre and never got over it. She refused to take Japanese-run trams or eat in foreign restaurants connected to Japan in any way. The massacre was a nightmare that had never left her. In the end, she suffered a nervous breakdown, became suicidal, and was forced to return to the United States for treatment. Her fame spread across Nanjing and the U.S. Once, a Chinese child shouted at her, Western devil? Someone immediately reprimanded the child. She is not. This is Miss Hua, using her Chinese name, Hua Chun, the savior of our people. Americans also saw her as a heroine, and her hometown established the day of Minivotrin to welcome her home. But on the homecoming ship, Vautrin tried to commit suicide by jumping into the sea. She felt an overwhelming sense of guilt. Though she was called a heroine, she considered herself a loser who did not deserve their kind care. American psychiatrists diagnosed three causes for her breakdown, trauma from the massacre, overwork, and chronic malnutrition. Her treatment took a long time and was covered by the church, but because of her shame, she felt she was not worthy of their support. We shall never know if her sense of guilt stemmed from the day at the campus gate, or the decision to surrender women to prostitution, or any one of a number of impossible decisions she was forced to make. A friend comforted her, if it is a waste to spend money on treating people like you, God must be a miser. But Vautrin was not persuaded. When she was recuperating, she wrote letters and helped raise money for China every day, packing relief supplies destined for China in the mornings and resting in the afternoons. Vautrin wrote to friends disclosing her wish to return to China as soon as possible. However, in May 1941, she committed suicide by turning on the gas stove in the kitchen and leaving a note saying she was a failure. Vautrin, a Christian, always said, I believe in faith, prayer, and science. Christianity is traditionally opposed to suicide. No one can imagine how much mental pain she suffered as she would rather commit suicide than live, trapped by her memories. Vautrin died at the age of 55, after 28 years of living in China. Shortly before her death, she wrote, Had I ten perfect lives, I would give them all to China. Although Vautrin died in her despair, her courage through life gives us hope and faith in human nature, gives us hope and faith in goodness, and gives us hope and faith in bright prospects. As Vautrin was a Christian, I'd like to end with a quote from the book of Proverbs, 
chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. You've been listening to the valiant, tragic tale of an American missionary in Nanjing. Written by Ya Shalong, the author is an electronics engineer, writer, and columnist. Published in Caixin Global. Read to you by Cliff Larson.